Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 9th, 2015. I do love a good power outage. Anytime YNR gives us a storm and a flickering light, you know there's going to be some drama, and they definitely brought the drama this week. Although I will start out by saying that... Phyllis's reaction to learning that there were two Jacks, it was not the most exciting part of the week for me. It just felt pretty tame, I guess, and compared to what I think my reaction would have been, I would have torn through that room like a Tasmanian devil. I mean, if you think about it in the scheme of things, what Phyllis went through, and even hearing her talk about being violated repeatedly by Marco, is it's it's really, it's one of the most horrible things that's happened on the show lately, if you st- take a step back and think about it in a reality uh, landscape. Um, we, we, we have to kind of compare it a little bit maybe to Avery's rape. And in a way, what happened to Phyllis was so much worse than what happened to Avery. Not, I guess not that there is really a comparison. It's, 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 there, it's all you know shades of absolutely horrifying. But Avery's rape sent her into this deep, dark depression and completely pushed her over the edge. And there was something about Phyllis's reaction that just seemed more... Huh. You know, like she she kind of took it into her brain at first and was trying to put all of the pieces together. Jack was trying to uh, explain how this possibly could have happened and that there just so happened to be two men. He looks exactly like me, including his mannerisms, the way he talks, his voice, everything about him just so happened to be completely and exactly like me. Uh, and Phyllis realizes, you know what, that makes perfect sense to me. Really? Because it it just made no sense to me. And in fact, um, hearing the whole story, Jack's entire story, not even just about like revealing the Marco thing to Phyllis, but the fact that he went through uh, what he went through with Kelly and then being on the drug boat. Hearing the whole story that we as viewers have been living with for months from the third person just made it sound even more dumb to me. And I think that took me out of the moment probably more than anything else. Um, But, you know, it it was good for for what it was, I suppose. I I don't know what I wanted Phyllis's reaction to be. What did you think about Phyllis's reaction? Was it big enough? Was it bold enough? Um, Certainly by no uh, fault of the actress. I think the actress has done a a really a great job this week. And in fact, I was feeling a little blah about her over the past month or so and this week she brought it up with a level of fierceness that I really appreciated but it wasn't quite in the reveal that I saw uh, the, the, the fierceness. It didn't start really kicking in until everybody, well Jack and Phyllis realizing that Marco's probably still out there and he's probably going to come back which I'll admit I, I, did, I wasn't expecting to see him again. Even after 
Mariah and Kevin found no body at the bottom of the lake. I thought, eh, I think we're done with the whole Marco thing. So I, I was very surprised to see the little Easter eggs uh, starting to pop up here and there throughout this week's shows, indicating that he would come back. In fact, the fact that um, Phyllis and Jack were talking about how similar Marco was and how she would never, prob you know, probably wouldn't know the difference between them and that they would have to come up with a password in order to know who which one was the real Jack. I thought, oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to see Marco again. Don't ask me what that password was um, because I can't say it. It was some palace in Istanbul that this Midwestern girl does not know how to pronounce. <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't have said the password, but it was something special to them that only Phyllis and Jack would know and if she were to run into Marco, uh, then she could just uh, try to lead him to say that. And if he couldn't do it, then she would know that he wasn't the real Jack. So a storm settles over Genoa City. We start to see, uh, hear, hear the rumblings of thunder and see the lightning crashes and the power goes out all over town at the athletic club, at everyone's house. Phyllis and Jack are separated at this point and Phyllis goes back to the house. I think, I think there's a part of her that's just wishing there was some semblance of normalcy, yet everywhere she looks around, she sees clues that she's been living with a stranger for all of these months. She took that picture of her and Jack and his golf, <laughs> his crazy green golf outfit, and she smashes it on the mantle, realizing the full scope of how she's been violated, she's been betrayed, and just like, you know, no sooner than she's smashed that picture on the floor, she's running upstairs to get flashlights and for, for the power outage, when she comes back downstairs, and Jack, in quotes, is standing there in a raincoat, and there's just something a little bit off about and we as the viewer know that this is uh, this is Marco because we've seen Jack in another scene but Phyllis doesn't know that she at first thinks that it's the real Jack except it's not quite it something some things are not quite putting uh, together quite quite well he uh, Marco sees the picture smashed on the floor and uh, she says why don't you like that picture he doesn't he mean Marco doesn't know that Phyllis knows at this point that he's not the real Jack or that that there ever even was a dupe so uh, or I assume, and uh, he sees the picture smashed on the floor and says, why'd you smash it? I like this photo. And that's her first clue that this is not the real Jack. So she feeds him a little bit of line about the palace in Istanbul, and uh, Marco is not able to recreate the password, so Phyllis knows immediately. And this is where the story got interesting. Really, really interesting for me. You could just see the turn on Phyllis's face as she she realized she's now standing face to face with this man who has lied to her, who has raped her repeatedly and enjoyed it. Ugh! It was just, it was, it was really, um, it was good to see Phyllis kindly, finally kind of start to erupt, you know? I mean, up until now, her reaction to it had been a little bit, 
um, muted, I think, maybe for me. Uh, but now seeing Marco there and, and being able to tell how different he is from the real Jack. I mean, Marco comes back, I assume, for a piece. I mean, he wants to take back Jack's life, apparently, but I think he really enjoys going around or two with Phyllis. He starts to try to make it sexual right away with her and I loved that she didn't I mean she didn't really try to trick him she didn't really play along for too long she knew that she was in danger so she just turned it and just let him know stay away from me Marco I loved it and I also kind of enjoyed um you know seeing this darker side of Marco or no I mean seeing I guess the full scope of the sadisticness of of Marco where he doesn't even care if she wants it or not. It, it wasn't just about taking over Jack's life and, oh, Phyllis is a perk. He seems to want her again. <laughs> that was really creepy. And just the way he holds himself so smugly uh, and he was almost kind of cha- just lightly sort of chasing her around the living room and she was not having it. I loved seeing Phyllis just summon up all of her Phyllisness, and she just grabbed him and kneed him right in his crotch. That was right there, I think, the best moment of the week because that's exactly what he deserved. I was so happy. She, like, kneed him and then, I don't know, punched him. I think she kneed him a couple of times, and then she grabs a vase from off of the table behind the couch, and she smashes him over the head with the vase, and he goes down onto the floor. Ah! He's passed out cold. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Um, I was happy to see him there, but I knew, I knew that she was not going to be able to keep him there for very long. She's, it has enough time to make a phone call to Jack to tell him that Marco's here, come home, help me, uh, and, and runs around uh, to the other side of the couch to grab a wine bottle to like smash him over the head again if he wakes up. But I mean, she, ta- she must take three steps away from the body and comes back to it and realizes he is gone. I knew it. Oh, I thought, oh shoot, she's going to walk back there and he's going to be disappeared into the night forever. And I guess, and that's what happened. This is the last that we've seen of Marco for now, at least. Oh no, that's not true because he showed up at the Abbott cabin later in the week, which I think is maybe Weiner's way of... tying all this up, maybe getting us uh, back to where we started. And I'm kind of thinking that it's going to culminate with that next week. Um, I kind of wonder if Weiner's getting ready to just end it all. Maybe they're going to end it at the cabin where this entire ridiculous mystery began. I don't know. I'm gonna, I can only hope for that because I've, you know, I, 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 I can't lie to you and say that this has been my favorite storyline. I think I've been that made that pretty clear. Um, I mean, YNR, the whole Marco thing, the whole Austin murder, Courtney murder, this thing, you had me in February. You even had me in March. Maybe you even had me into April, but May rolls around. June rolls around, July rolls around, now it's August, and it's still going on. It's a bit much. So please, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that that we are headed into the end of this whole thing. Um, it seems like a couple other loose ends are trying to tie. I 
I've had a hard time getting into uh, the like the suspicion around Marissa and uh, the you know the like working with Harding and him calling her in. Um, you know, and they I, Harding realizes that he needs to get more information from Marissa. Um, and uh, in fact, Jack and Phyllis realize they needed to get more information from Marissa too. It seems that everybody thinks she's the missing piece of this puzzle. I don't know why, but I want to kind of trust her. I don't think she she was, you know, I didn't think from the beginning that she was in with Marco. Uh, Jack and Phyllis come up with this plan that Jack should pretend to be Marco and go to Marissa and see if he can get her to reveal any information and find out if she welcomes Marco with open arms and in which case it would reveal that she's in on it with him, uh, which he did. It was a little entertaining watching Jack try to pretend to be Marco um, and, and he, he even threw in the little Spanish the Marco you know he kind of he kind of threw in a little bit of that uh, that's that that Spanish cadence <laughs> to try to make it real um I, you know I guess that was a little bit entertaining um and Marco or, excuse me Marissa passed the test uh she re reveals that you know she she tried to be all nicey nice with Marco at first but then pulls on a, a knife on him so Marissa's not in on it with Marco, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's telling the truth about everything that she knows. Um, and it, it seemed like toward the beginning of the week that Harding uh, was onto that. He called her into the station, started asking questions, uh, and and he's working with Kevin and Mariah. See, that's the piece. The Kevin and Mariah piece, I guess, is the part where it's just like I'm I'm done. You know, the, with the the Scooby Doo gang thing. I'm just, I'm done. Just wake me up when we get to the punchline. That's where I, that's where I'll come back and fill in all the links. Like, I can't go along with every single little clue. I, I just, it's been months and months of this. I can't, I can't follow every single little, um, clue that gets dropped. But, I do. The punchline for the end of the week seemed to be an implication that Detective Harding is actually somehow a dirty cop or that he's somehow involved in this, which I'm pretty sure a couple people had predicted. I remember Henry had, uh, had called in, left a voicemail, and mentioned in a couple of comments that he felt that Harding was going to be um, end up being uh, the dirty cop that was kind of on the inside and uh, was maybe involved in Courtney's murder. I mean, that would certainly make sense. We know that somebody on the inside was involved in Courtney's murder. There have been so many things that have been covered up along the way. I suppose it would make sense if it was Harding, but there is still a part of me that thinks, eh, YNR likes to lead us to believe one thing and then switch it to be another. So I don't know if I'm ready to jump on the Harding is a dirty cop bandwagon just yet, but hopefully next week that'll be revealed. Noah and Marissa finally give in to those primal urges by candlelight. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I must be old and um, like unfun now because all I could think was, I can't believe you guys have all those candles lit in, a, in an old hotel like that. That is a fire hazard. I mean, I'm watching this awesome romantic lovemaking scene and I'm worried somebody's going to knock over a candle. <laughs> Gee, Jally, where's your spontaneity? <laughs> I mean, they were those long stick candles 
candles, too, so it could have easily started a fire. Uh, but the fire was under the sheets. I did enjoy it. It was a little short for me, frankly. I could have really, really got into it. I liked the, the, the foreplay aspect. I liked the afterplay, or is that what you call it, aspect, where she's asking him to go get food. And, uh, you know, you come here all the time with food. Every time you've come to my hotel room, there's been food. And, and now no food? Uh, I, just, I thought there was something sort of charming about that. Um, but the thing is... Noah's moving on real quick. I mean, this kid falls in love like at the at the at the just a bat of an eye. It seems, and although I think that this couple has awesome chemistry, and I definitely want to see them continue on this relationship, I'm I'm completely on board for Noah and Marissa. Noah needs to wake up. I mean, he he ends up hearing somebody tells him I think that Marissa was seen in the park talking to Victor so after sex he goes down to I think it was after sex he goes downstairs or maybe it was before and he talked to Victor and tried to find out why they were talking and, and there, or I think Marissa had lied to him and said that she was with Victor uh, yeah this might have been before sex I don't know um, but that Victor had approached her to warn her to stay away from Noah which is an outrageous lie but um I suppose it sounds like something Victor could have done. But Noah is going through stages at various points, like talking to Victor, talking to various people, um, of realizing that he doesn't really know her. I mean, and that time after time again... Marissa has lied to him, then sprinkled him with some sex dust, and then all is forgiven, and he just goes about his way. I mean, he's ignored every single red flag. Not to say that necessarily she's a bad, bad girl. I don't necessarily think she is bad, 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 all bad. Um, but he's, he's, he's not taking it seriously. He's letting his heart lead the way. And Detective Harding summoned him to the police station this week and asks him to try to get some more information I mean, the the woman may have had some level of involvement with your fiancé's death. Don't you think it warrants asking a few more questions? And I think Harding got up under Noah's skin enough to where he comes back to the room, he asks Marissa again if she's lying, if she knows anything else, and... You know, I can't blame him for being suspicious. I, I can't imagine that Marissa would blame him for being suspicious. But she's, I think, tired of having her intentions questioned, especially after that whole run-in with Jack. I mean, nobody trusts her at the end of the day. We haven't seen her do anything that's been overtly bad. She's been a good person so far, but there is just this underlying current of, eh, maybe we shouldn't trust her. There is nothing quite like the old trapped in an elevator bit. You know I love the trapped in an elevator bit. Um, yes, it is indeed. It is, it is, old. It is as old as soaps uh, themselves, I think. If, if, the, if the, we had to have a list of characters who've been trapped against their will in, a, in, a, uh, <laughs> in an elevator, it, the list would be so long. Whether it be enemies or potential romances, the trapped in an elevator bit is always good for just forcing an interaction and this week that was between Neil and Hillary. I mean of all the people in town to get trapped together that was a pretty good pairing. I mean ultimately nothing happened inside the elevator but I really did appreciate Neil's 
slow building, bubbling, uh, uh, just subtle warnings to Hillary about the fact that her relationship is about ready to crash and burn and that he has had everything to do with it. He starts talking to her about suspicious minds will ruin a relationship. Eh, the truth has a way of getting in there. I mean, I think Neil knows Hillary well enough from having been married to her to know what's gonna push her buttons. And he did do a good job of, of, of managing to just say the, the just the right haunting things to maybe get her to think about her relationship with Devon in a different way, which, which I just, I like this side of Neil. Not that I think... Uh, it's flattering, but just that it makes Neil more interesting to me. Gina had called into my voicemail uh, this week and had mentioned that she thought Christoph St. John looked as if he'd lost a little bit of weight, and that really dawned on me too as I was uh, watching the uh, the the you know what was it Wednesday Thursday show. Um, uh, he does. He looks he looks more gaunt. Um, he 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 looks more. Um, maniacal in a way. I mean, just something, just something in the delivery, something in his physicality. I know Christoph St. John has had, a, I mean, he's, that guy's had a bad year. He's had a lot going on in his family. It's amazing that we've still seen him consistently working on YNR considering, um, he had his, his son passed away, I think just within the past year. And I, and I, I definitely do feel for him. And I think it's great that we're kind of getting to see more of him and maybe it's helping him to work through all of that to be on screen and to have some meaty material. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what I'm happy about with this storyline is the fact that it's giving Neil some meaty material. And I, I can't tell if Neil necessarily wants to be the one to overtly ruin Devon and Hillary's relationship. I don't know if he wants them to know that he's going to be behind it or if he's just nudging. I think he might just be nudging just a little bit enough to watch that relationship blow up on his own. Nick's proposal to Sage was perfectly timed with the actress being added to the opening credits this week, right? I, 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 I swear, unless I, I, I had missed it before, I think that the actress who plays Sage was added to the opening credits on the same episode of, of Nick's proposal. And did she replace Avery in the opening credits? Maybe you guys watched a little closer than me and you can tell me. But um, So Nick proposes to Sage this week, and of course she she accepts. I like this couple. I like Nick and Sage together. I feel Sage's reticence at every step along the way. I feel as if she is unsure. I feel as if she is waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think that's part of what makes me uh, endeared to her. She doesn't feel entitled to this relationship with Nick. And in fact, I think she feels unworthy of the relationship with Nick. And that kind of makes me want to root for her. So I'm glad they're engaged. Um, it seems like on the surface, everybody's kind of glad that they're engaged. Faith 
is a little snoop though. I loved the coffee house scene where Faith tells Sharon about overhearing Sage talking on the phone about the father of her baby not being Nick and Sharon's ears perked up so big she could not wait to mine little Faith for more information. I just couldn't even believe that that child even knew how to put together what that would mean. Although I suppose you can't really grow up Newman <laughs> without being completely aware of what a paternity <laughs> test result is or paternity stuff. But Sage, or excuse me, uh, Faith latched onto that little seed and she dropped it right in Sharon's lap and Sharon was all too happy to water it. Oh, she wanted to know. And in fact, Dylan had to step in and stop Sharon, like, you know, saying, you really shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be using your daughter to get information about what's going on in Nick and Sage's relationship. I think we're seeing the first realization by Dylan that maybe there's still something there between Nick and Sharon. Maybe maybe Sharon's not all in in this relationship with Dylan, which is news to me as of this week. I thought Sharon was all about Dylan. Um, and now all of a sudden, I think we're starting to see uh, peaks of, of Nick and Sharon coming back up. Um, <laughs> it I did it. I, I enjoy Nick and Sharon always. I really do. Um, they their relationship got so nasty after the paternity test switcheroo was revealed. And I thought, are we I don't think we're ever going to are we ever going to get back to a Nick and Sharon relationship? I mean, we were happy with Nick and Sharon. They were getting engaged. They were getting married. The paternity test thing with Summer happened and then pff, they were enemies. And it was it was fighting over custody of the child. And it's just been uh, an uphill battle for those two ever since then. And now all of a sudden uh, and well, actually we saw a little bit of it, too, this week playing out as uh, Sharon and Nick had a talk where he told her that uh, I think everyone was kind of expecting maybe Nick and Sage to break up not get engaged and Nick tells Sharon that they are engaged and uh, Sharon I think is trying to in a sort of Neil way maybe nudge that relationship apart a little bit she kind of nonchalantly asks not so nonchalantly <laughs> asks Nick if there's any chance that Sage could have pulled a switcheroo on her paternity test results oh and Nick says you know Nick just refutes that right away and Sharon said some great comeback line like oh so you think that uh Sage would never be as devious as me I think Nick said she knows Sage wouldn't do that she's not that devious and Sharon says oh you mean like me she's not as devious as me I loved that uh, I thought it was a good tie-in I thought it was a good um little bit of barb between the two characters um but again Everything is just too happy on the surface to be happy. I mean, even Faith seemed like warm to the idea of Sage and Nick's engagement and the idea of being a big sister. And you know that's not going to last. Uh, in fact, it, 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 it seems to that the happier everybody is for Nick and Sage, the more Sharon starts to become unraveled in, in herself and in her relationship. It seemed that she was very jealous of, of the fact that Nick and Sage are happy and 
and that now Faith kind of has two happy homes. It's Sharon, I just wonder if Sharon's not capable of being happy or happier. If maybe she's one of those people that sort of self-sabotages. I don't know, because it seems like she's got everything with Dylan, unless um, Sharon knows something else. I'm surprised it wasn't Sharon and Dylan who got engaged this week, by the way. I would have predicted that that would have come uh, way, way sooner. But um, for now, it seems like... Um, it seems like the two couples are they're getting along. We had that scene at Sharon's house where they're putting together a crib. <laughs> um, it was like crib wars. It was cute. I mean, there's a lot of potential for um, for fun with these two couples getting along, but it's probably going to be <laughs> way more interesting uh, for these two couples to, to not get along. Chelsea jaunts off to Paris this week. Oh, to be able to be so rich that you can just vacation slash run away from your problems to Paris. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, obviously Chelsea is struggling against her feelings. I think she's hit a brick wall as far as Adam's actions are concerned. She doesn't agree with the things that he's done. She doesn't really want to forgive him, but none of those things really cover up the fact that she still loves him. And Adam knows that. That's Adam's foot in the door. Of course, he follows her to Paris. <laughs> he started out with a couple of phone calls that just, you know, sort of lightly asking if he can come. I, I knew immediately. I'm like, the man's already there. He's, pr he's probably standing outside of your hotel room door just waiting for the invite. And she doesn't let him in. She she's constantly turning him away, saying, no, I need this time to myself. I'm, I'm done with this relationship. I need you to respect that. And he just can't do it. Not just because of the fact that he loves her, but because of the fact that they share a son and he wants to be involved in um, in his child's life. So he not knocks at the door. She opens it up, realizes it's him, of course, and she lets him in. And that's all. That's all he needed. Adam only needs to get his foot in the door, and he knows that eventually their love will end up being stronger than any hesitation that she might have about about uh, about their relationship. I mean, I totally think that Adam and Chelsea are going to get back together sooner or later. I hope it's not sooner, to be honest. I I like this couple. I like the I like being on the road to them getting back together. You know, I mean, this is something that I could see stretched out for another few weeks. Um, I like, I, I, I feel Chelsea's being torn about it. I understand her. I understand Chelsea's character at this point in time. And again, you know, I've had a hard time understanding Chelsea's character for since pretty much since the day she walked on the, the show. But I, I'm with her every step along the way here. I get it. Um, and I'm just kind of enjoying the journey. The, the thing I will say in uh, Adam's defense is, you know, that... Uh, Chelsea knew who she was getting involved with when she got involved with Adam Newman. And now she is sort of wanting him to be something else. She seems to be wanting him to be um, this nice guy when that's kind of not who he is. It's not who he's ever been. Uh, I don't think Adam has ever been false about who he is and how he is. He's always been upfront with Chelsea. And I think that's part of why their relationship 
was so strong. I think that's part of why the attraction was there was uh, was when they initially got together, they both were just trying to be unabashed versions of themselves. And now here, I think Chelsea's maybe just moved on. I think maybe Chelsea's the one who's changed. She's evolved. She's got a child now. She's got a career now. She's a different person than she was when she was this con artist. But Adam is still Adam, and Adam has never not been Adam. Billy and Victoria back together at last. I know that not everybody loves Billy and Vic this Billy and Victoria, but I love them. I tell you, of all of the things that I saw this week on YNR, there were some things that I just sort of, you know, I kind of my my I, I, my eyes glazed over and I my attention strayed and I was maybe doing a little something else while I was watching, but I came to attention for Billy and Victoria. Maybe I'm standing alone in the rain on this one, but I liked the slowness of their makeout scene. I just think these two actors have total chemistry. I loved seeing them fall onto the couch together. I just, it's been building and it's, I'm glad it popped. <laughs> I was glad to be there for it. Um, I want Billy and Victoria back together. I did, I, I, I do still love that Victor is such a thorn in their side. He, and he did say this week. I just don't understand how my beautiful, intelligent daughter could want such a, a worthless guy like Billy Abbott. And, you know, we're not even seeing that side of Billy. Billy is totally reformed. In what way is Billy not an ideal candidate for, for Victoria? He doesn't gamble anymore. He doesn't really seem to drink anymore. Victoria alluded to Billy's darkness this week, and I think that's ultimately going to be what, what comes in between this happy reunion um, because they, they kind of mentioned after the sex, well, you know, they were struggling to define it. Well, it was more than sex, but less than totally getting back together. So it's not just a crash boom, we're back together, which I like, uh, but I thought it was interesting that sort of out of the blue, Victoria was talking about her relationship with Billy and saying, I worry that I see flashes of that darkness in him uh, from after Delia died. And I worry that that's ultimately going to be what comes between us. And I think that's a decent way to go with it because I I just tired of Billy the Gambler. I was tired of Billy the Cheater or Flanderer. It, it just it got old with me. You need to grow up and move on. But a dark Billy who is mourning the loss of his daughter and who within the next few weeks, months possibly is going to learn that the man who ran her down is still alive. That's something I can connect in with. That might be the point where people are able to kind of um, get into the new Billy. And I'm hoping so. Give him a chance because I think that this I think it could be really good. I think we're going to see really good, interesting, more meaty story. And I don't, not that I want every character to be dark, you know, like I was comparing it to Neil uh, or, you know, talking about Neil's character being dark. I don't want everyone to be dark. I just want them to be three dimensional. I was 
was tickled a lot <laughs> by Abby being in Victor's office and him telling her that he was sending her off to a, a surfactant conference uh, <laughs> that was uh, to, to help her give a, a big speech on behalf of Newman Abbott because, you know, the soap industry is a big part of our business. I thought that was such a great nod. Thank you, Wynar. I mean, you know, the fact that uh, Newman, Newman Enterprises has holdings in 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 soap plants or soap the soap industry the soap industry i just thought that was so cool and by the way i knew what a surfactant was <laughs> i'm kind of proud of myself because i thought is that is that really what they're talking about is i love uh making homemade uh body lotions and i make soap at home and so i i that's something that i knew about and i was so happy with myself that i that i recognized that <laughs> Can I have a job at your at your surfactant factory, Victor? <laughs> oh man, I thought that was good. Um, and you know, I I kind of think that the Victoria versus Abby feud could end up being pretty good. I, I I'm I'm in for that. Um, the two characters are very different, and I think we could see some good stuff come out of it. Uh, I like that Abby's trying. It's it's sort of interesting because in a way we're seeing. Abby starting out on the path that Victoria treaded years and years ago because as, as Abby came into Victor's office and handed him this report from the factory that she negotiated the deal with and oh see productivity is up I felt bad for her because I realized that she is essentially saying love me daddy Give me your approval, Daddy. I need it. In fact, I think she called Victor the most important man in her life. And that is, well, first of all, probably not healthy, maybe. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have a husband, so maybe. So I suppose. She needs to get a husband or get, a, get find herself a man and put some stock in that and not just be Victoria. I mean, you take this trajectory and you speed it up by 20 years and Abby is Victoria. And maybe that's the part of the story that is a little bit appealing and, and, and surprising that, Vic, and may, I don't know, maybe on some level Victoria is trying to t turn Abby off of that, not because she's jealous, but because she she doesn't really want somebody else to travel down that path. That's certainly the story with Ashley. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure. But one question I did want to ask you guys was that as Abby is giving Victor the, you know, the, feeding his ego about what a great businessman he is, she said something about um, wanting to talk in her speech about how Victor started this company by selling things out of his car. Whoa, wow, selling stuff out of his car. What did Victor sell out of his car? That has got to be a deep pull. Because uh, I don't think in all the years I've watched YNR, over 20 years, I don't think I have ever heard anybody talk about what Victor was selling out of his car. I didn't, you know, I've only watched for 20 years. There's you guys who've watched from the beginning, so I'm sure that you can tell me. I, it's, I'm fascinated with the character of, of Victor, so I, I, I'm surprised that that's something that's never been brought up before, because if it was, I think I would have latched onto it. I want you guys, to, if you know, to please tell me, tell me about this. What the heck was Victor selling out of the back of his car? <laughs> Soap? I wish that was it. Um, yeah. 
Abby's pulling further away from Stitch. Um, again, we're seeing her on the Victoria path. I, and plus, these two people just have nothing in common. Um, we saw Stitch this week really connecting in with his new job, and he's got this patient who is a, uh, a, a oh, I think he said Marine veteran, and um, who is, I'm not sure what the guy's problem is. Um, he's in the hospital for something, and I'm not sure, and sorry if it was said and I just missed it, but Stitch is really combining his talents here because not only is he a medical doctor, um, fully licensed now, but he also is a former vet. So he's able to really combine that those skills to talk to this guy um, through his issues. And he just seems to really understand him. And it was kind of sweet. They found a purple heart in his pocket and uh, Stitch pinned it to his pillow. And it's just clear that Stitch is going through something, experiencing something that is so much deeper than soap, that is so much deeper than a speech at a conference, and he just doesn't have anybody that he can talk to about it. I think he'd like it to be Abby, but frankly, it was never going to be Abby. I mean, these two people sort of fell together ad hoc, and now they're just falling apart. Ashley was always a much better match for Stitch. I don't know why we even got onto this path with Abby and Stitch. It made no sense then. It makes no sense now. I'm completely up for Ashley and Stitch. I just wish that that he never would have been with her daughter because that's what makes it icky and weird. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think Ashley is in a place where she really does want to have a relationship, but I don't think it's true that she's completely out of the game as far as business is concerned. Because the very end, I think of Friday's show, Victor realized that if Jack wasn't the one behind the Paragon Project, this big conspiracy to take Victor down and everything he's worked for for the past 35 years, everything he's built from the ground up for the past 35 years, um, that maybe if Jack wasn't behind it, Ashley was behind it. Which I think is a great twist if YNR can really build that. Um, we saw, I think it was last Last week, I want to say, unless it was early this week, Abby and Ashley were having a conversation about Victor, and of course, Abby is seeing how great Victor is, and Ashley was sort of indicating that there's nothing left there. She doesn't love him. She doesn't respect him. Uh, Victor and Ashley's relationship is broken beyond repair. I mean, he did betray her with the whole hex thing. I understand. There's a million reasons why Ashley should have no love for Victor anymore. She was always the person who defended him. I mean, up to up till the you know earlier this year, any time Victor did something bad, Ashley was always there to say, "Well, why don't we give Victor the benefit of the doubt?" And I wonder if that's all gone now. I would love it if Ashley was actually the one who was behind the Paragon project, and instead of the rivalry continuing to be Jack and Victor, I would love love it if Ashley stepped up and took that place and, and really became Victor's new biggest rival. Well, I um, went online this week because I love to get casting updates and there were quite a few um, that I hadn't seen yet. So um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about those. Uh, we are getting, speaking of, I think, Stitch, uh, we're getting uh, someone who was recently cast, Alice Gresson. Um, she is going to be cast as someone who works at the Genoa City Hospital and has a connection to somebody on the show. I think it's Stitch. 
So we're getting some cute new <laughs> hospital worker. So I wonder if maybe they're just, YNR's trying to break Abby completely from the Stitch, Stitch's world, put, you know, maybe force her into the Newman rivalry. Maybe she'll be caught between her two warring parents, I think, which would be kind of cool, and I'd be into that. Uh, and maybe what we're going to see is a triangle between Ashley and Stitch and whoever this new hospital uh, person is. Um, one, one kind of sad note, I know it's not really story related, but uh, Lindsay Godfrey and Robert Adamson broke up. Uh, the Robert Adamson, the guy who plays Noah on our show, was um, engaged to the lady, the lady, the, the young lady <laughs> who plays Caroline on The Bold and the Beautiful. And I think they have a child together. And I always thought that was such a cool soap couple because I like Noah and I really like Lindsay Godfrey uh, on Bold and the Beautiful. So I was so sad to hear that they broke up. Um, bummer. They, they're, they said that they're still going to obviously remain friends because they have a child together. But yeah. That's too bad. Sad news. Now, uh, okay, I've got two other bits of exciting casting news. Um, ooh, the crazy is about to return to YNR because number one, Stacey Haddock is back. She is filming scenes in mid-August that will air in September for Patty. Patty is coming back to the show. Oh my goodness. What on earth is that going to be all about? Ooh, I wish they would have brought her back as Emily. I liked Emily. I think Emily was a really good uh, match for Jack. And I never understood why they got rid of her. They did that whole... I mean... You know what? I mean, maybe Jack could have a whole lot more in common with Emily these days because what are the chances that th th these two people have had exact duplicates? Jack has his double, and then Emily had Patty, who got plastic surgery to look exactly like her. Ugh. I guess maybe it makes sense that YNR would go there now. Oh, man. So, you guys tell me, what do you think about the Patty thing? I mean, obviously, that's going to have impact on Jack's life, Paul's life. Do you think there's any chance they're going to bring her back as some sort of reformed version of Patty? I mean, she's been, the last we saw her, she was in a mental institution coloring and talking talking with her kitty. <laughs> Is there any chance Wyner's going to try to play it like she's reformed and out on good behavior because she's doing so much better? Or are we just going to get more of the same crazy ass Patty? I guess maybe she's kind of going to take the place of the crazy Callie role. I don't know. I kind of like it. I I'm into it. The other rumored return is Kimberlyn Brown as Sheila. Pfft, head explosion. How long has it been since we've seen Kimberlyn Brown on YNR? When? I mean, because even the last time we got quote unquote Sheila, hadn't she had? No, wait. Not, that was Sheila's sister. We got Sheila's sister who had plastic surgery to look like Lauren. What the heck? All of these doubles. Oh my goodness, YNR. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know the last time. No, no, no! The last time we saw Kimball and Brown on YNR was when she had plastic surgery to look like Phyllis! <laughs> Whoa! That is truth. <laughs> we had Sheila had plastic surgery to look like Phyllis, and then we had Sheila's sister. Uh, Sarah, who had plastic surgery to look like Lauren. <laughs> oh, 
Why not? <laughs> Starting to look like a one-trick pony here. I have two pages of comments today. Uh, Sylvia on Facebook says, Hi, Allie. I'm looking, or I'm new to the chat group and also to the video vlog, so glad I happened on this site. Allie, you do a great job, and I look forward to it every week now. I have been a YNR watcher since the beginning when Victor found Nikki in the dance hall, and he had his English friend who brought him there. I think it was Douglas. Uh, I started watching with my mother and kept up with it ever since. Thanks again, Allie. Love your video. Welcome to YNR Chat, uh, Sylvia. Yeah, I love hearing from new people who are just discovering uh, YNR chat, and I love especially hearing from people who've been watching the show longer than me, because you're, you guys are able to give me historical information that I do not have. <laughs> so between all of us, we're able to have a very well-rounded view of, of, of our YNR. Uh, Leanne on YouTube says, I'm wondering about Marco's involvement in Austin and Courtney's deaths. For some reason, it just doesn't seem right, even though he he admitted to eliminating them because they got in the way of his plans. Does that mean that he had any connection with Fenn and his academic reason for drugging his friends and family that night? I still would like to know if Fenn drank the punch and passed out too, or if he didn't, and if he didn't, what did he see? I wonder if that piece of the story will be re, uh, retconned too. Uh, YNR, I appreciate you, but please tie up these loose ends. I know. I do feel the same way, and I'm kind of hoping that we get some loose ends tied up next week. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, because I've probably been saying that for the last six months. Um, but Gary uh, left me a voicemail this past week and was reading something from, I think, Soap Opera Digest that was a preview for next week that Summer is going to receive a shock. So, to me, that's got to be, I mean, I could be way off, but is there any chance that that's Austin? It's just, it seems like too big of a coincidence to me that Marco's back up at the cabin and uh, the Harding thing is, he, Harding's meeting somebody. I don't know, maybe Harding's meeting Marco at the cabin. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Marco's meeting Austin at the cabin. Maybe it's, you know, but I guess the thing is, if... Harding's involved, if on the off-skirt chance that Austin's still alive, Courtney's still alive, and they're still involved, it's not necessarily nefarious. I think there could be a good possibility that Harding was working on the inside or something to try to bring down Marco, maybe make him think he's a friend, uh, but really has more information than he knows. Maybe this could be Marco's big undoing as well as a big reveal. Fingers crossed. Um, Daisy on Facebook says, to me, it was implied that Marco might have been calling Harding for help. Then the remaining Scooby-Doo gang, Kevin and Mariah, told Paul that they think Harding is up to something, implying up to no good. But I think that was all a ruse. I don't think Harding is helping Marco, but I'm wondering if he's helping some law enforcement agency, maybe the FBI, who we saw previously, who are still working to get Marco and his people. And maybe Marissa's helping them too, which would explain why she stayed in town. I really hope they wrap up this storyline, though, soon. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Daisy also says... Uh, doesn't Phyllis have any rope? Marco could be in Victor's basement by now. <laughs> I love that. That was good. And that was a perfect summary, Daisy, of, of, the, of, of I think, uh, an alternate twist on the Marco storyline that I think might actually be pretty accurate because we had that whole FBI piece of the puzzle that also never really got uh, addressed again. So I, I kind of am thinking maybe these forces are working together to get him. But if Austin and Courtney step out of a room or something next week, I'm going to lose my mind with joy. 
It'll never happen. This will never be over. We'll be talking about this whole storyline 12 years from now. It's going to drag on that much longer. Um, <laughs> Nippy Fan left me a voicemail that says, uh, people talk about Sharon not talk, people talk about Sharon not being able to be without a man, but what about Nick? Nick's been married to so many people or engaged to so many people over the years, and he, he might as well have a marriage proposal booth at uh, the Underground. He proposed to Avery in one booth and Sage in the same booth. Maybe he needs a different booth dedicated to all the different women that he's been with. Uh, I thought that that was kind of a funny point, because uh, it's true, and then we're also seeing that uh, reflected in his son, too, Noah. He's exactly the same way. Uh, Anna left me a voicemail, and she was noting some chemistry between Dylan and Sage. And I thought I'd toss that out to the group, because we're definitely seeing Nick and Sharon getting back together. I wonder if there's any chance this foursome is going to cross over in multiple ways. I, I like Part of me feels like Dylan kind of has chemistry with anybody he's on screen with. I don't know if it's just something about the actor. I think he does well in romantic roles, but I mean, yeah, I can totally see chemistry between him and Sage. They had that scene in the park where he's trying to comfort her. Dylan is just real good at being like the good guy comforter. Um, and that kind of takes me into uh, Jennifer's comment on YouTube. It dawned on me this week that both Dylan and Sage are in similar relationships. They're both involved with two people who are madly in love for a long time, Sharon and Nick. Uh, both Dylan and Sage are expecting their first child for at almost the exact same time. Someone is going to lose out. Will it be Dylan again? Remember, he lost a child with Avery. He was connected by Chelsea with her pregnancy. It would be cruel for the writers to take him to the edge again. Dylan would go crazy if he lost out on the chance to have another child. Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's where Stitch will come in and start to kind of comfort him there. I don't know. Beatrice left me a voicemail also and said, Sharon is way too concerned about Sage's pregnancy. Sharon and Sage will end up delivering at the same time. Sharon will switch the babies so she has Nick's. I think that's a really good prediction, and I completely agree. We're seeing all of this tenderness between Sharon and Sage. Sharon giving Sage this advice about not worrying about her pregnancy. It's too suspicious. It's too convenient. There's no way that something's not going to happen. And I liked Beatrice's theory because nobody necessarily loses a child. I think maybe Sharon and Sage might both have their babies, but Sharon, by the time this pregnancy rolls around and she's been off of her meds for this long, she could definitely go and switch those little name tags and keep Nick's baby instead of her own. That would be horrible. Ugh. Um, January on YouTube says, I wonder if Sage's DNA test results were inconclusive, or maybe I missed the fact that they spelled out Adam is not the father. Does Nick, doesn't Nick and Adam share DNA? I love this point, January, because I totally didn't think about it. Duh. I think I'm so, my brain is going in so many different directions and so many different storylines that I didn't even think about that. All that, unless I missed it too. I didn't, I think that the whole DNA reveal was a little bit um, left open. It was a little bit sketchy. I mean, we didn't see the results and only Nick really saw the results and he's the one that told Sage, of course, he gave her the papers. But at the end of the day, I completely forgot about that. All that DNA test would have shown is that the baby is a Newman. Duh, Allie. Pfft, there's no way that that storyline is closed. That is totally going to come back up. 
I mean, as soon, that's just going to be part of the Adam's identity revelation, which is, again, is going to be a series of more blowing, more small explosions, and that one's going to be part of it, and I think that's going to be big. So, I mean, I don't know if ultimately Sage's baby will end up being Adam's, but that's got to come out. That's got to be an issue. Uh, Vinyl Collectors on YouTube says, I'm loving the Adam and Chelsea angst. I've always been a fan of the couple, and I feel like the writers honor their story and the general feelings between those two. The reactions are so believable and understandable, but can I just say, the way Adam loves Chelsea is sexy as hell. Every time he calls her baby or talks about how they belong together, I melt. I agree. I mean, I do think that they have an incredible relationship. And as far as um, the writing on the show goes, this is probably one of the most realistic, well-written romances that we've got going on right now. Um, uh, On the flip side, Monique left a message on Facebook and says Chelsea knew who Adam was and all the bad things she did that he did. And she still married him and befriended him. Chelsea needs to accept the fact that Adam may never change. You either accept someone as they are or don't be bothered with them. A poet said once, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. And I think that's a really it's a good point, too. The thing I think has been so special about Adam and Chelsea's relationship is the fact that they do just accept each other. So this relationship is going to have to come to a point where they either decide to break up and go their very separate ways or they decide both to learn to accept where each other is right now. Okay, I think that does it for me for this week, but now it's your turn. You guys can go to yrchat.com and you can leave me a comment there on the blog, or you can go to go from the blog to Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave comments there. You can call into the voicemail. It's 309-588-4569. It's just three minutes before the beep. I have no control over the amount of of time, the, the length of time that you get, so just know I think you get three minutes, and if you can't get your point in, call back. <laughs> That's totally fine. I love hearing from you guys, whether it's voicemail or text. Uh, it's really always a pleasure. I read every single comment. I listen to every single voicemail, um, and I try to pick uh, the ones that sort of fit for this week, and I work those into the end, so if you leave a, a really super relevant, awesome comment, I will probably work it into the end. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. Thank you guys. I love you so much, and I'll see you next week. Bye!